Hey, hey, it's Bryce Johnson. Thanks so much for being with us today on a special edition of the Unpacking It podcast. Each year, we do the Super Saturday Man Breakfast in Charlotte, North Carolina, the day before the Super Bowl. And then we like to share the audio from the event with you, our podcast listener. And so I I know and trust you will enjoy the conversation that, that I had with George Lee, Trey Boston, and Jericho Cotchery. Uh, we'll, we'll hear the, the full bios from all three of those guys in just a moment. Uh, but the panel was incredible. It was a powerful morning. Uh, we had uh, around 300 guys uh, at Central Church in Charlotte. And, and so it was just a wonderful morning of fellowship, good food. From what I hear, I, I was too busy, didn't have time to sit down and eat. Uh, but apparently it was great. Uh, we did some trivia had some fun, and and so it's a, it's a, a quick morning, but it's 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 really a, a great way to kick off our Super Bowl weekend. And so, uh, although the Super Bowl is over, what we discussed lives on, and and really these guys sharing about their 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 faith journeys and their life and being a dad and the the, the challenges they've been through and, and a lot of different uh, elements to their stories will uh, be eye opening and and just. Uh, I think will really uh, inspire you today and encourage you today in a lot of ways. I know, I know that I left uh, fired up and everybody that was there left fired up. And so you as a listener, you have the opportunity to, to listen and be fired up as well. So we will jump in right now. This is the audio from Super Saturday Man Breakfast X, which is number 10. Wow. Praise God. It's been an awesome event. I'm thankful to be a part of it. Enjoy. All right, here we go. The moment we've been waiting for. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read a trivia question about our panel. As they come up, I will read a bio about them, and we are about to begin our panel conversation. There it is. All right. Trivia question number one. We got more prizes to give away here. What Hall of Fame quarterback threw his first touchdown pass in a Jets uniform to Jericho Cotri? Brett Favre, Brett Favre. We got some some stuff up here. Yeah, that over there. Grab some of that. Grab some of that. Come on up. All right. What pro football Hall of Fame defensive back was an analyst on NFL Network. He worked with researcher George Lee at the NFL Network. Then he joined the Oakland Raiders coaching staff. He vouched for George Lee to join the staff. Another hint, this player won a Super Bowl with the Ravens, but spent the majority of his career with the Steelers. Rod Woodson, you got it. There you go. So Rod Woodson is a part of George Lee's story. All right. Oh, sorry, let me me read the bio. We'll we'll start with Jericho Cotri. Let me bring Jericho up. Sorry about that. Jericho, come on up. He's a former NFL wide receiver who played 12 seasons for the Jets, Steelers, and the Panthers following a successful career at NC State. He was drafted in the fourth round of the 2004 NFL Draft by the Jets. He was on the 2009 and 2010 Jets team that made it to the AFC Championship Games. After his playing career, he spent three seasons as an assistant coach with the Panthers and is now heading into his third season at Limestone University as the assistant head coach, wide receivers coach. Jericho and his wife Mercedes have adopted five children, 16, 13. Today he turns 13, 10 and 7, and they celebrate 20 years of marriage in May. All right, let's welcome up George Lee. He's heading into his second season as an assistant coach with the Panthers as the game management coordinator. He just finished his 13th season in the NFL, which also included time with the Raiders and the Colts. He additionally spent five years as a lead researcher at NFL Network and a year as a researcher at ESPN. He met his wife, Denise, at a Raiders game when he was working for the NFL Network, and she was one of the freelance local hires that day. They now have two kids, eight and 10. Here's George Lee. All right. 
All right, here's our trivia question for, for Trey Boston. Trey returned his first career interception. 84 yards for a touchdown. Who is the quarterback that threw the pass? I heard it, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. I was going to give a hint that he, he played for offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan. But Matt Ryan, we got it. So come on up, grab a prize. All right, let's bring up Trey. He's a former NFL safety, drafted in the fourth round of the 2014 NFL Draft by the Panthers. After playing college football at UNC, during his seven-year career in the NFL, he also spent a year with the Chargers and a year with the Cardinals. He is now the host of the Weather Channel show called Fast Home Rescue, which premieres season two next Saturday, February 17th at 9 o'clock. Trey and his wife, Sierra, travel the nation, renovating homes hit by natural disasters in just five days. He and his, his wife, Sierra, have two kids, two and four. Same age as my girls. Very cool. Here's Trey Boston. Let's begin. All right. Thanks for being here. That was a lot. Thanks for bearing with me, guys. You did a good job. <laughs> that was good. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get to know these guys a little bit, uh, just kind of with what they're up to now. Then we're going to talk about their football career. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl, get their thoughts on, on tomorrow's game. And then, most importantly, we're going to hear about their, their faith journey and their life. And, and so we're going to, going to have a, a fun morning here. So let's, uh, let's jump in with, with Trey here because we talk about the Weather Channel TV show. How did you, you get into TV, and what drew you to this type of show? Yeah, uh, God first. Uh, um, let's see. When I was done playing, I went straight into the ACC Network, uh, had a show with Mark Packer, Taylor Tannenbaum. Um, in college, I knew one thing I could do was talk, and I could talk pretty well. Uh, so that led me straight to uh, broadcasting. Uh, in the middle of broadcasting, I just got a phone call from an organization that I had priorly done uh, work with, rebuilding together, and they were starting a show with the Weather Channel, renovating homes across the nation, hit by natural disasters, like you said, and asked me uh, would I, you know, take on that job, become the host, and I could do it with my wife. I was like, well... You know, some men are like, oh, what's your wife? That's a brave man, you know? <laughs> but, but, but I took it on as, you know, something to be able to do with my wife, be able to travel the nation with my kids, them to have memories. So what got me into that, truthfully, just God laid it on my plate, and it was something that, man, we've had so much fun with. Last, uh, last year, 2023, we were able to renovate 20 homes. Wow. Um, and again, that's five days each home. So, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. So it, it was something that, again, I, I didn't even, I could never tell you a million, you know, in a million years that, hey, I'm going to be on the Weather Channel renovating homes. But, yeah, next thing I was. So, yeah, God. <laughs> Man, that is cool. What a great story. I've, I've got it set on my DVR. So I'm, I'm ready my to boy. watch. Hey, y'all set it on them DVRs. <laughs> set it on, hey, hey, you catch a sneak peek. We, uh, we're on my 12 at 6 p.m. today. Okay. And y'all know, but next Saturday. 9 p.m., y'all better catch season two. We I like it. That, that's fun, man. Really, really cool. All right, so we're excited to have George Lee here, and we hear the man, coach game management coordinator. So what does that mean? We got to hear, hear about this and, and how you ended up uh, getting into that lane and that, ended up with that role. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a super specialized role, um, but one I'm very passionate about. Really had it for the last 13 years in the NFL. Um, started as a defensive assistant, Worked as a researcher for five years at NFL Network, one year at ESPN. Um, and really, I took on the game management title once I left Oakland. Um, you know, I was let go there, and I was, you know, these guys probably know how it is, trying to break into the coaching realm, hopping on with another team. A lot of people didn't know what I did since when I was in Oakland, you know, kind of like the Bill Belichick philosophy of, you know, not giving away your trade secrets. So I was denied every media request, even though I had worked with the media previously. And, uh, you know, I'm out at the Combine Senior Bowl trying to get a job with some of these new head coaches. They had no idea who I was and what I did. So I decided to add game management in my title, which, you know, is a very uh, loaded thing that's, you know, kind of putting a target on your back with media, <laughs> fans like yourselves. But um, basically, as the game management coordinator, I helped the head coach with every decision on game day relating to fourth down decisions, when to go for two, accept or decline a penalty, um, you know, when to throw the red challenge flag, 
when to call timeout. Um, so, so you're the one we should be yelling at. Yeah, no question. <laughs> and and I've, I've had that. And uh, Come on, George! Yeah, yeah, but it's a job that, you know, I'm passionate about. And fortunately, a lot of these head coaches now are also serving as the play caller on game day. And so that's made my position more valuable so I could help them out and be like, hey, you keep doing what you do. You know, go look at the call sheet and then I'll stay one step ahead, one series ahead and let you know anytime there's a situation, hey, I need you to flip over. We need to start thinking about timeout usage here, end of half, end of game, um, you know, all sorts of uh, those situational football things that come up in the game. How cool. What a unique job. And it's a big deal, too, because we, we know that it's a new coaching regime. You were here last year but you were able to stick around so take us into that experience because it's difficult we, we as fans were wondering all right who what coaches are sticking around and and who's Dave Canales going to keep and, and and there you are you're you're trying to figure out your next step you brought your family down here and and one year later uh oh we already got a coaching change yeah I mean change. this past year was obviously really difficult as you guys know as Panthers fans it was difficult for me personally um I had a great situation in Indianapolis uh, with Coach Reich there for the last five years. And uh, when I had the opportunity to join, I knew that I was taking a risk, leaving a known happy that, you know, I could have stayed in Indy. I was part of the head coaching search there um, that landed upon Shane Steichen, who I would have loved to work for um, that I had known previously. But I felt a strong loyalty to Frank. I actually took this job sight unseen. I didn't even travel or anything. I just felt a strong calling that God was leading our family to Charlotte. Well, sure enough, you know, I got here really a year ago around this time. My uh, family finished out the school year, moved out here in August, and our head coach gets fired three months later in November. And I'm like, what is going on? And, you know, during the season, like, I mean, my job was on the line. I was feeling it. You know, I was getting some of the blame when things weren't going right. Um, but thankfully, just through your faith, you know that your identity is in Christ. Um, you just keep plugging forward. You know he's got you one way or the other. Um, so I didn't really get tied into all the drama. I just kept putting my best foot forward, be the best version of myself every day. Um, and, you know, it was tough. Like when I was following along Twitter like everybody, when it looked like we were bringing Mike Vrabel in, I was like, man, I'm toast because oh. I know Vrabel's got a guy that does what I do. And uh, sure enough, when Brian Callahan became the head coach of the Titans, he was the first one let go. And that's how it goes sometimes. I know, you know, being painted as a Frank Wright guy, that that might be a risk, but I bet on myself. Thankfully, when uh, that phone lit up and it was Dan Morgan, I, I, when I saw that name flash, I told my wife, man, I'm about to get fired on the phone. Oh. <laughs> I can't even meet the new coach. I mean, I didn't even have my stuff backed up yet. Oh. But uh, sure enough, I was one of the fortunate ones that got the call to stay and say I was safe. But unfortunately, that's how the other coaches were let go was over that phone call. Oh. So... Um, thankful that I'm here um, and thankful that, you know, God had a plan like he always does. Amen. Amen. Well, that's the real story. I mean, that's the personal side of this, right? These are, these are their jobs and their families. And, you know, we, we just, as fans, it's like, oh, get rid of this coach, get rid of that coach. But, you know, this is, this is real, real, real stuff. So thanks for sharing, George. That, that's cool. And even as we were putting this panel together, I'm thinking, wait, is George going to stick around as the coach? And, and we were talking about it, and I got the text, hey, I'm back. So I was, I was pumped as, as well. So glad, glad you're, you're here and sticking around with the Panthers. All right, Jericho. So you spent the last two seasons at Limestone University, and you're the assistant head coach, wide receivers coach. What do you love most about coaching? Why, why coaching and, and, and why Limestone? Well, well Limestone is a place, um, you know, it's just a special place. Uh, it's headed by Coach Mike Ferry, uh, a former NFL player. Uh, now he's been coaching for a while now. His last stop was in Chicago with the Bears, coaching the receivers there. Um, but he had previously had the job at Limestone and uh, decided to come back down and continue what he started. And uh, I was one of the first guys that he called on a random Wednesday night, um, really that random, uh, at swim with my daughter. And um, he just called and, and um, knew that at that time uh, I, I wanted to continue coaching. And um, I was with the Panthers 17, 18, and 19. Once we uh, were fired, I, I didn't feel like it was right for me to uproot my family when I told them that we were, you know, coming back, coming back south uh, from, from up north. We were living in New Jersey at the time. And so I uh, just felt a strong, a strong leading, a strong calling to just stay here, stay put, and uh, wait for another opportunity. And, 
the Lord still had coaching on my on my heart, and uh, really here on the college level, um, it, it's, it's really about impacting the kids. Um, coming out of high school, whether I'm recruiting them or not, it's, it's still about helping them through that process uh, of decision making. You know, being recruited out of high school, you know that that that's a that's a grown man decision. You know, and uh, you're going to spend the next four or five years of your life. So right now, it's, it's six, seven, eight years of your life uh, <laughs> it, with all of the portal stuff and extra years, COVID years. Like, COVID was a long time ago. Now, everybody has a COVID year. But uh, <laughs> but but really uh, about impacting the kids and, uh, you know, just seeing their success, uh, personal success, their growth uh, as young men. Uh, first and foremost, and then helping them as football players accomplish their goals, you know, uh, and and even really giving them goals that they they may not even be thinking of, uh, especially as men, you know, growing some some kids grow up without fathers and and things of that nature, um, what it means to be a, a man, a husband, a father, all of those things, just putting them before those kids, and so that's the biggest part uh, for me. You know, the football uh, stuff is going to be the football stuff, but. Um, just, just helping them grow, uh, and, and on the, the the maturity side, we feel like the the football stuff will come, you know. So that's fun for me. It's, it's been a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. Uh, we we've been winning, so that helps. That helps. Uh, <laughs> winning is fun, you know. But it, it's just a really great thing that's going on at our university. It's a D2 university, but uh, we have D1 guys that are flocking down to Gaffney, South Carolina to play football for us. And we've had all of the, um, the, the NFL teams being represented on our campus to see our guys. And so wow, it's just a unique thing that's going on, and uh, a lot of people are taking notice. I love it. It's about an hour from Charlotte? Yes, right? an hour. I make that commute, man. I'm, no, a, Char- a-, I'm a Charlottean, man. Oh. So, you know, I'm, that's by choice there. So I'm not being pulled out of Charlotte right now. So, uh, but, yeah, I make that commute, and I'm, I'm used to it. It's not a bad drive. That's cool. Well, that, that's awesome. That's, that's what these guys are up to now, and so we'll, we'll talk a little NFL. And uh, we got it, before we talk about the Super Bowl, we got to talk about our hometown team. Of course, all of you guys are connected to the Panthers. What is your level of optimism? Give, a, give us something to be excited about this morning as, as Panthers fans. Are we still repping our Panthers gear? John's got it. All right, we got some guys, so it's good. Trey, why don't you give us some optimism for the future? Well, you know, people usually follow me on social media for my optimism with us. <laughs> um, I... I you know, doing my research on, you know, Coach Canales, I, I think one thing we needed was a leader of men. Um, in this league, it's so easy to think that it's all just about coaching, coaching, coaching. But if you don't know how to lead grown men, I'm not talking little boys. I'm not talking kids who are in college. I'm talking grown men. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I, I love Matt Rule. I really do. And if I had a son, I would send him to Nebraska because I know what he's about. I know how good of a coach he is. But there is a essence of when we played that you had Jericho Cotteries on your team, you had Thomas Davises, Charles Johnsons. I can go down the row of about 12 veterans that when you have a leader of men, you allowed your men to lead the group because they lead by example. So you never had to worry about letting down Jericho Cotter because as a young buck, as, a, as those as your OGs as we call them, you didn't want to let him down. You wanted to play your best. You wanted to study extra. You wanted to ask those questions. So when you have a leader of men uh, being able to coach those men up, I think coach is going to do a great job. Dan Morgan is one of our favorites. Again, one of those Panther players who knows what we're about. I love this press conference talking about bringing in those dogs. Yeah, I mean, dog. like, that's, that's the talk that I want. Like, I'm, I'm tired of, like, X's and O's. Like, no, <laughs> sometimes it's not about X's and O's. When we went to the Super Bowl, our defense, it was like, literally, we know we're going to come up in an overfront. We're going to play quarters. We might run some, uh, uh, you know, match th- thirds. But y'all were going to have to beat us individually. Man to man, can you beat us, line it up with every individual 111, everybody doing their job and beat us, it wasn't going to happen. So when you have those dogs on your team, when you're searching for those guys who, I hate to say it, inflict pain, but, I mean, that's, that's what football used to be about. I mean, I, I, I didn't want you to be in the game the full game, you know what I mean? Like, I care about your family, yes, but I'm trying to win. <laughs> so, 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 so when you... <laughs> 
Yo, let's go. It's so hard to talk about football now. It's like, am I talking about two-hand touch? Am I talking about football still? Hit somebody. You know what I mean? Like, oh, no, don't hit nobody. Too hard. It's like, it's, but, uh, man, I, I really am optimistic about this because when you have the right guys around with the right mindset, you, you bring in the right people, man. So uh, I am very optimistic that this can be turned around. I love it. All right, George, you're a little biased because you're, you're, you're a part of this. But still, give us, give us something uh, to be excited about. Yeah, we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Uh, the quote of the day. No, honestly, I mean, like, I haven't been here too long, but I, I think the Panthers fans are probably worn out with the constant turnover. I'm, a, I'm about the action, not the talk. You know, I'm not here to just sell you to, hey, keep filling up the seats. We got to earn that. You know, as coaches, as, as a staff, as players, you know, we haven't earned that after a two-win season. Um, but I guess just, you know, having a chance to meet uh, Coach Dave and the new staff, um, you know, this past week, um, I, I could tell you that he's bringing that Pete Carroll positive energy going. And I think that's what we need after such a rough season with not a lot to uh, hang our hats on. I think bringing that optimism, hearing his plan for Bryce, um, who I have a lot of faith in, the quarterback. Bryce you Young, know. be very specific. Yeah. Bryce Young, yeah. <laughs> um, I'd love to hear his plan for me, though, but, yeah. But, you know, it was really interesting. You know, we, we had draft meetings this past week, and he was talking about what kind of guards um, that he studied Drew Brees as a shorter quarterback, and he had success with these stout guards that could give the quarterback the ability to step up in the pocket. You know, you could tell he has a plan having worked with, you know, a shorter quarterback in Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield. And I like how, you know, even, you know, retaining guys like myself and the organization and, you know, promoting Dan, you know, I, I'm on Panthers Twitter. I read about what a lot of people were saying, just get rid of everybody. And I think to their credit, they realized, like, hey, obviously the season didn't go well, but we still have good pieces in place. Um, and so I know Dave is excited about keeping the defensive staff intact, which is huge. Um, Idro, our defensive coordinator, he's a future star. He's going to be a head coach very soon in this league. Um, so I think, you know, if we could get the offense turned around with the guy whose specialty has been to make the most of, um, you know, like just even the Tampa Bay situation where they were le losing Tom Brady and they're getting Baker Mayfield, who he had here in Carolina. You know, he didn't run from that. He took on that challenge, and he turned them into a playoff team. So uh, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about going forward. That's awesome to hear. Jericho, anything to add? Not a lot to add. I, I just think that, you know, it, it, it feels right, you know, with, with how they have gone about this process. Um, I think uh, the, the head coach, Coach Canales, is an excellent hire. Uh, Dan Morgan is an excellent hire. Um, just keeping things in place, like the defensive coordinator, um, and you 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 can focus on that football aspect of that that offensive side uh, aspect of it. I mean, it, it a lot of it just feels right, you know. So I'm I'm optimistic about you know this year and um, excited to see what they put out there. Very cool. All right, so we're excited about that. We got to reflect a little bit on the past. As we talk about Super Bowl, of course, the Panthers have been to two Super Bowls, but both of you played in Super Bowl 50, and it's a bummer. We, you know, as Panthers fans, we lost, but it's still, when we reflect back, man, what a special season that was. It was so exciting. The town was into it. We were loving it. So as you think about it, what are the memories, and, and what, what do you dwell on as, as you uh, think about Super Bowl 50? That's right. It was a catch. <laughs> yeah, it was. Indeed it was. was. I would have challenged it too. Yeah. yeah. That that debate has been won on our side, but you know, um, really, I just think about the group, right? And I'm listening to Trey talk. You know, it, it was just it was just a tight group. We had a certain mentality about ourselves. Um, that's how we were going to line up each and every week. That was that was the vibe of the entire team. Um, and, and, and one of the big things that, you know, I take from that time period, you know, because I, I, I constantly, you know, hear, you know, the saying, you know, it, Carolina doesn't have a winning culture and, and stuff like that, you know. Think about this. From, from the end of 2014 uh, through the 15 season, we won 18 straight regular season games. And so, like, that, that's – the only team that you ever put in that category with winning that much is the New England Patriots, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, and so, like, like people create narratives, man, that 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 just aren't 
reality, you know, and we, we won a lot of games. We established that even with a down year in 16, came right back in 17, went back to the playoffs yeah. because you have a winning culture, you know, and so uh, it was, it was, you know, just that time. I, I have nothing but fun memories of that time. It, it was a, it was a tight group. Um, I remember going to Trey's weddings, yeah. you know, wedding and uh, Roman Harper's wedding and, you know, just that's the, that's the type of group we were, you know, and uh, those those sitting around the table moments at training camp, you know, just, you know, just enjoying each other's company, joking and laughing. You know, Trey was up there laughing and joking on everybody, uh, but uh, and talking smack to everybody in practice and all of that. Um, but that that's that's the fun that we had, you know, and so so I always remember those moments. Yeah. Jump in. <gasps> Yeah, man, it, it was very fun. I, I think when I think about football at its, like, essence, when I first came into the league, I had just a plethora of just older guys that I can count on. I can look at guys who were husbands, veterans in the game, who taught you how to live life the right way, whether it was finances, whether it was your family, but on the field, man, we just had so much fun. And as a young buck, when I came into the league, like like you said, like I was a big like smack talker. Like I might talk about your mama, <laughs> like you know. And, and you know, they taught me that hey, Trey, it's a, you know a little more respect, a little more respect. You know what I mean? And, and you know, it, it, it was fun, man. And, and that's one thing I, I hate. Now I'll say one thing about the Super Bowl is I felt like that was the very first game that we focused too much and didn't have fun like we usually did. It was like every game we would have the radio out, we'd be dancing, we'd be having fun. But in life, sometimes we tell ourselves, focus, it's the big one, focus, it's, it's our time, focus. We're finally here and now you're in your locker and you're just locked in. But then you find yourself not in what got you there. And that was the, the one game that I've taken through like life and I've been like, man, if I'd ever coach a team, or if I ever got back, man, I'd make sure that we just had fun the way we did, because we're going to talk about 2015 for years to come. Hopefully, the boys give us something to talk about, uh, but those are memorable years, and I mean, you got guys like Jared Allen, you, uh, you got guys like uh, uh, Cortland Finnegan, Peanut Tillman, like veterans who are just known stars that came and linked up with us. Um, and got the you know job done. Well, we didn't get it all the way done, but hey, 15 and two, man, 15 and two. <laughs> it was special, man. That was awesome. Great, great memories, no, no doubt about it. Uh, let, let, we love talking football, and, and I know a lot of you guys. You know, hey, it's fun to hear former NFL players and coach, current coaches talking football and talking game. But but man, what's what's so you know important and more meaningful for us today is, man, let's hear about their stories. Let, let's, let's talk faith and, and what it looks like to follow Jesus. And, and so we're, we're going to jump right into that conversation. And, and George, we'll, we'll start with you. H how long have you been following Jesus? And, and what are some of the, the key pivotal moments in, in your life that, that point to, man, my faith deepened and, and I, I realized just how much God loves me? What are some of those key, key moments throughout your life? Yeah, um, I didn't grow up in the church at all, so I um, found the Lord really the summer right before uh, I went to college, which was a pivotal point in my life. Um, you know, grew up with, you know, divorced parents, uh, broken home, didn't really have a father figure, um, you know, around much since he was working so much. Um, didn't even know when my parents got divorced just because they were always away so much, um, you know, with my dad traveling for work that, you know, I didn't even know when it actually happened. Um, but really, um, you know, I, I love what you're doing with Unpacking Ministries because I was saved through sports. So um, it was, you know, some friends of mine that just invited me one summer to, hey, you want to join our Christian Basketball League? And all I heard was Basketball League. So I was like, <laughs> sign me up. So, you know, we're hooping. And then next thing you know, after the game, there's mandatory fellowship afterwards. And then they started singing. I'm like, my gosh, what kind of cult did I join? <laughs> and... Uh, it was, it, was, it was weird, and then, but it started with that, and then they're like, hey, we all hang out on Friday nights for fellowship. Why don't you come hang out? And I was like, all right, I got nothing to do. I'll hang out. And then uh, really the, the turning point was uh, there was this thing on the West Coast called Spirit West Coast, which is kind of like a Christian weekend concert. And believe it or not, knowing my story, uh, the speaker that weekend was Miles McPherson, a former Chargers DB. Yeah. 
And so, you know, all this time I had people praying for me or asking me to go to church. And I'm like, man, you know, Jesus is for the weak-minded. I'm good. Like, I don't need that stuff. But that weekend changed my life because I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there at worship, and now I'm in the minority. Everybody's up there lifting their hands, singing confidently for the Lord. And I'm like, man, they look pretty confident in what they believe. Like, what is it really that I believe? And I'll never forget, Miles shared this story. You know, he gets up there. As soon as he said he was a former NFL player, he had me wrapped around his finger. And he had this great skydiving analogy. He was like, man, I'm there. I'm pumped. I'm ready to go skydiving. That door flings open, and the wind hits him. And he's like, whoa, I don't know if I could do this. And he's, like, hanging on to this bar, and, like, you know, the guy was like, man, just jump. I promise you if you jump, it'll be the greatest 60 seconds of your life. And uh, he was like, some of you here are hanging on to that bar, not letting, giving your life over to Jesus. I promise if you turn your life over to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision in your life. And I was like, you know what? I could do that. And so, so the crazy thing is, I'm with the Raiders. We do chapel. Uh, we're playing the Chargers in San Diego. Our team chaplain that day was a guest speaker, Miles McPherson. And I had the opportunity to thank him. And, you know, I was like, your message at Spirit West Coast led me to Christ. And the uh, funny story is he took one look at me, looked at the top of my head. I was like, that must have been a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's been, uh, uh, that's how God led me to Christ. And, uh, you know, just just thankful ever since then that, you know, like he's, he's brought me here and, took care of our family ever since, and um, yeah, I have a wild testimony. I'll dig into deeper uh, along my career path where he's had his hand upon my entire journey, but I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. Amen. Wow, that's awesome. That's powerful, man. I got chills. I like that skydiving. That's a good story. Jericho, how about for you? Yeah, for, for me, I've uh, been a Christian now for almost uh, two decades, um, but uh, beforehand, I was, uh, I, I grew up around the church. Uh, I heard this the saying once, uh, I can't remember who said it, uh, but I, I could identify with it. He said, you know, growing up, I had a drug problem. I'm like, what? He said, yeah, every Sunday my parents drug me to church. You know, and so uh, that, was, that was pretty much me, you know, and, um, you know, my, my parents, they were doing everything that they could, especially my mom at the time, uh, to, to, to put Christ before me, and, uh, and I was doing everything I could to avoid it. You know, and, uh, you know, and that's that's kind of really uh, was the, the early portion of my life, um, you know, and and it kind of culminated, you know, right before uh, my junior year. Um, and, you know, I had this argument with my mom. My dad wasn't in the house at the time. They were still married. Um, but uh, I had this argument with my mom. I said, I'm, you know, uh, she, when I, as I was walking out of the door to, to basketball practice, AAU basketball practice, she said, all right, just, you know, just, you know, be prepared that we're, we're going to church tomorrow. And uh, I said, well, well, I'm going out tonight, right? This, I'm at, I'm age 15. And, um, and I said, so, you know, if I get back in time, you know, if I get back in time, then maybe, maybe I would. And, um, and, and, you know. Lo and behold, I wasn't going to church that next day because on the way back from practice, I was in a car accident. And so I um, had one of my friends at the time who was driving. He passed away in the car accident uh, as we turned over on the median and then and the car ended up upside down in the median. Um, and and that, was, that was one of those moments where, you know, a lot of times you say, you know, uh, man, that could have that been me, that could have been me. Uh, but... Uh, in that moment, I know I knew that it, it should have been me, uh, in the way that I offended God with my life, with my words, with my actions, like, like everything, thoughts, motives, desires, all of that was offensive before God, and so I deserved that in that moment. I deserved to be judged by God in that moment, but He saw fit to save me, and so now I use the saying that He saved me to save me. And, um, and, and I'm, I'm eternally grateful uh, for that because Jesus Christ is the one who paid that penalty for me on the cross. And, and now I'm able to walk in his righteousness now. I'm able to walk in the freedom uh, from that power of sin now uh, because of that moment. And so that's kind of how my journey ended up starting. 
didn't come to faith right after that, but that was the that was the the turning point where like this this is real, this is real, and uh, met my wife. Uh, met my wife, and, and my, she was my fiance at the time when she asked me the question, "Would you consider yourself a Christian?" It's first time I had been asked that question. You know, I had been asked, "Hey, do you believe in God?" And I was like, "Yeah, I believe. I believe in God." And then the person said, "Yeah, who's God?" You know, like, "Yeah, the man upstairs." That sounds like the uncle that lives in the basement. You know what I mean? Like, the, the man, the man upstairs. Who was that? You know. Um, but that was, you know, that was the first time I had I had someone that asked me the question like, "Would you consider yourself a Christian?" And I had to be honest in that moment, and I said, "No." No, and uh, and and because of my wife, my journey changed in that in that way, you know, and so uh, that's that's the blessing. That's the biggest blessing there that has been put in my life, you know, on this horizontal side, my wife, uh, and now and now just being able to, you know, my my dad wasn't around a lot, you know, growing up, and uh, you know, just seeing you, you can you can see the things that you miss, you know, to see see the things that you don't have. Uh, when it comes to leading a home and all of those things, but um, because of coming to Christ, now I'm able to walk in those things because God is able to provide. His grace is sufficient. Went from a no to a yes. That's awesome, man. Ah, that's great. Gosh, wow! You think back to that car accident, man. Different, different story. Wow. I think here you are today. That's that's amazing. Wow. Trey, why don't you jump in with your story, man? Yeah, yeah. Um, a little bit like both these guys, George, I started right before I went to college. That was 2010. I remember being right outside my house. One of my best friends, who I consider a brother, asked, could he save me? And that was the first time I confessed with my mouth, which I've always been, you know, a Christian. Single mother, so my wife, I mean, my mom at the time. <laughs> still my mom now. <laughs> Got to clarify that. <laughs> My mom uh, always worked two, three jobs, so it wasn't, you know, I wasn't able to go to church, you know, every Sunday, but we were still Christians, you know, I could say that, but I remember that being the first time with my brother that I confessed uh, that God was my Lord and Savior who died for our, you know, our sin, our salvation, giving us eternal life, and there were so many ways that after that time, I switched up my ways and just things I listened to. My wife was a big factor, uh, met her in college as well, go Heels. Um, and just, you know, she grew up in the church, so to be able to rely on her, and I'm not going to say it was even perfect after that. Like, I'm still perfecting being this Christian man for my children, for just the people around me, for myself. But those steps were so important. I mean, he talked about Miles. Miles has been to PAOs plenty of times where I've been able to listen to him. So being able to go to these places, Tony Evans, see them like in person, hear them, and not feel affected, like, you, you just don't leave conferences like that and not feel the conviction that God puts on you that you have a higher calling, you have a bigger purpose to your life, but do you have that fire to chase after God's heart like a David, you know, and, and that's a perfect analogy because David wasn't perfect, but since a little boy, God called on him and said, you have a bigger purpose than you know, and all of us do, and we just got to go ahead and chase that, and that's, that's been my life right now, so yeah, that's it. Amen. So let, let all of you guys are part of the NFL. I'm curious, how has being in the NFL as a player coach, how has that strengthened your faith and how has that challenged your faith? Uh, George, you start. Yeah, you start. Let me start. Yeah. Um, no, it's, 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 been, it's been a crazy journey. Um, you know, had hair before I entered the <laughs> NFL. Um, but, you know, it's... Like, my whole career has been a faith journey. Um, you know, when I was at NFL Network for five years, my wife and I were living in L.A. She was working at Fox Sports at the time. We actually both quit our jobs without another job to move back to the Bay Area because we felt like that's what God was calling us to do. And we had just gotten married, and we ended up moving home, living with my grandma and my brother. I mean, who, who does that? But I felt like, you know, God was... You know, I, I, I like to use this analogy, like everybody wants to see the hand that will catch you before you jump, but God was saying, just jump and trust that I will catch you, and that hand will be there, and so we did that, and then a couple months later, you know, Rod Woodson helps me get a job as a 
you know, uh, unpaid defensive assistant for the Raiders and launched my whole career um, to where I'm at now. Unpaid. I was, I was literally paid out of the defensive coordinator's own pocket. Sometimes it'd be 250 a week. Sometimes it'd be 500, you know, but um, living in the Bay Area, I mean, it was not easy. <laughs> but, um, you know, like just, I, like the, just paying your dues and, you know, like have no regrets at all. Um, and then was there for seven years and then John Gruden gets hired. I had survived a bunch of turnover. He heard analytics in my title and wanted nothing to do with me. And uh, I'll never forget, I'm, you know, picked up my daughter from school and, you know, we're driving home and she was like, do you still want to work uh, for a team, daddy? Like maybe a new team? I was like, yeah, I'd like to. And she was like, how about a blue team? And I'm like, yeah, like that'd be cool. And then, uh, and then later that weekend, I'm at my grandma's house visiting, and I had never noticed there was this pillow um, that had like four sports in each quadrant. And the football portion of it, I kid you not, had a helmet with a horseshoe on the, on the helmet. And a couple months later, I got a job with the Indianapolis Colts, a blue team with a horseshoe. And, uh, you know, to tie that all together, you know, like Carolina this past year, you know, Coach Frank gets fired, like, you know, I'm just trying to, like, stay locked in and not worry about the future. I'm brushing my teeth with the music on, and all of a sudden, uh, a song comes on, and it's Heads Carolina, and I'd never heard that song before, <laughs> and I was like, are you trying to do it again and talk to me again, Lord? And so I looked up the lyrics, and then I got all confused. It's by Cole Swindell. It's Heads Carolina, Tails California. <laughs> which is where I'm from, and that previous off-season, I had tried to, you know, go west, you know, closer to where my family's from, um, and I was like, I had an opportunity to work with the Rams, you know, at that time, it was looking like the Chargers were going to have an opening, so I was all confused, and then sure enough, that Sunday is the coin toss, the opening coin toss, and I'm stressed, I'm like, my future's on the line right now, <laughs> and it was heads, and I just had this peace over me, I'm like, I'm going to be here, and like, you know, and sure enough, I'm here. And it's like, people are always like, man, is God real? How come I've never seen him? It's like, he's here all around you. You just got to be tied into the spirit and open your eyes to, you know, allow for those opportunities for him to speak to you. Amen. He's, he speaks in unique ways. Are we listening? So you were listening. That's, that's, that's awesome. Wow. How, how has the NFL affected your faith, Jericho? Uh, in a variety of ways. Um, you know, um, uh, I think... I've grown to think on a, in a, on a different way, you know, like the adversity comes, you know, in football, right? Lose games, drop passes, miss tackles, throw interceptions. Those things come and you have to overcome that, you know. And, and, and coming from where I, I grew up in the inner city of Birmingham, Alabama, you know, and so they're, they're, you're surrounded by adversity, adverse moments, you know, in those settings. And so you, you kind of learn, you know, how to work through adversity, right? And so once you step onto the football field, you know, guys that grow up in those types of situations, like what what is adversity on the football field? But what I've grown um, to understand is uh, the other side of it, the success part, right? And, you know, a lot of times people don't see success as a trial, right? And in, in, in the sense of how do you receive it, right? How do you receive it? I'm, I'm thinking about Proverbs 27, 21. It says, the crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and a man is tested by his praise, right? And so when you're being complimented, you know, when you're being patted on the back, when everybody is screaming your name and asking for autographs and things of that nature, how do you receive it? Do you receive it, receive it with pride? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, like the new saying today, I'm him. Yeah. <laughs> Right, all, all caps him, you know, I'm him. Or do you receive it with humility knowing that God made you who you are and he gave you what you have to offer? And so, you know, all praise belongs to God anyway, you know. And so the success part of it, handling that, uh, walking in that with humility, understanding that these moments are fleeting, right? Um, you know, I think about, you know, just all of the guys that, you know, I was, I was at one game, you know, I was coaching with the Panthers, and we were playing a particular team. And you look across the field doing warm-ups, and there are a couple guys with, with gold jackets on. Okay? And the players that were standing beside me was, were asking me, who was that? And I had no clue. <laughs> I had no clue. 
you know, and 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 because they were they were older they were older gentlemen, you know, and you know like it just it, it shows you that like all all of it is fleeting in a sense, you know, yeah. it doesn't strip away the meaning, you know, and all of that, but 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 it is fleeting. And so if you sit back and you rest on your laurels and you say, yeah, yes, I'm this awesome guy, right? And then you walk into a place and they, they say, can you give me your name again? Why you have on your gold jacket? <laughs> you, you're going to be reminded once again that <laughs> all praise belongs to God, Amen. you know? And so that's, that's the part of my journey that, that I've, I've learned to appreciate more um, and, and to handle you know, just the last verse that I, I just kept with me for, you know, all, most of my career was Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 7, verse 14. It says, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other. So that man may not find out what comes after him. You don't know what tomorrow will hold a day of prosperity or a day of adversity. And we know that's a merism, right? The opposite extremes of the scale to explain the whole. So everything in between, God brings them about, you know? And uh, your, our goal is to just trust him Amen. in every moment. And, and, and that's what I've learned in, throughout my, uh, the course of my, my NFL career. Wow, that's powerful. And that, that message isn't talked about enough, the success side. And the humility, and the humility side. Gosh, that's, 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 a, that's a powerful statement and, and encouraging to me to hear today. Trey, what, what about the NFL? How did it affect your faith? Yeah, I mean, y'all hear Jer Jericho talking right now, man. This is one of my OGs, you know what I mean? Like when you're a young buck coming into the league and you have mentors like this in your life, you know, a man who, like I said, came to my wedding. Like there was many other influential veterans in my life that, man, I, I thank the Lord for you and all those men, because they are a piece of who I am today. Um, but I'll also give like a testament like George did, you know. When I did get cut my first time playing for the Panthers, um, I'm not going to lie, um, I was ready to go get money. Like, like I, was, I was, hey, all right, let's go get paid. They cut me. I know somebody's going to pay for a full-on blown starter, young, can do what I do. And I took a visit to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was like, hey, you know, we'll offer you a two-year deal. I knew, nah, I don't want no two-year deal. I want one year, and I'm going to be right back in free agency. So I visited the Chargers, and then I visited Buffalo. And Buffalo had just got McDermott, uh, Beam as GM. And leaving there, I was on a flight back to Charlotte. And I feel like this was the very first time that I had asked God, like, hey, God, like, you know, thank you for all of this, but I need a sign. Like, I need, I need you to, I remember saying, like, I blatantly need you to smack me in the face with this sign. So I prayed that. That's while in the air from Buffalo back to Charlotte, all right? So we land, and I'm, I get in my truck, and I'm headed down Wilkerson. And there's the quick trip that's almost near the Walmart over there. Near, and I'm three lanes from the quick trip. And I remember passing by, and I seen gas like 20%, you know, 20 cents, you know, less than what it was. Let's go. I ain't going to lie, I had half a tank, but <laughs> when, get the deal. when gas that, you know, I, get the deal. God knows money <laughs> intrigues me. So I pop over three lanes. I go get me some gas, all right? So I hop out the car, and I'm getting gas, and a man pulls up in, at the time, a, a charger. He has three kids in the back, um, and he says, hey, you know, hey, how you doing? My name's, you know, Mike Daniels. You know, I, I just need some money for my kids. Just want to go to Walmart, grab them some lunch meat. You know, Christian man and me, I'm like, man, of course. You know, I go to reach back in my car, and before I reach in my car, y'all know they got the, like, little gas pamphlets. And I could have sworn I'd just seen Jesus saves. So I'm already kind of, like, on edge, like, whoa. Grab my wallet. Come back out, give them 40, Jesus Saves is right there. Like, it's on a little pamphlet. And I know if you're around Charlotte, you've been around. The Jesus Saved men are always everywhere, which I love seeing them now because it's a big part of my story. Come on now. So, so I see that, and we have a conversation, you know. And at that moment in my head, I hear kind of, you know, what I'm thinking and God talking to me at the same time. I'm like, man, should I ask this man A or B, or should I ask this man uh, chargers or bills, or you know, 
And before he says that, he says, you know, yeah, my name's Mike Daniels. The people call me L.A. And the Chargers had just moved to, they were going to move to L.A. So instantly, I'm like froze. Like, I kind of got some goosebumps now. Like, I, I froze, and I was just like, oh, my God. He's like, this is happening. So, I, you know, I go on talking to him. You know, I hop back in the car. I give him, like, a, you know, a, a nice amount of money. And he's telling me how, you know, we have a good conversation for 30 minutes, how, yeah, man, you know, people call me L.A. I, you know, I was raised out there, came over here. I'm just like, man, listen. He's like, thank you for what you're doing for me and my kids. I'm like, no, 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 thank you for what you're doing for me because you don't know that you just answered a question that I was going to ask. Like, he didn't know who I was, like, but he answered the question for me. So listen what I told y'all. What car did he come up in? He told me his name was L.A. <laughs> L.A. Chargers. The Charger was beat up. Like, it, like I ain't going to lie. It was, it was wrecked. Well, the year I got there, they had a new head coach. So, like, all this is correlated, and we have a great conversation for 30 minutes. We go to leave. This man pulled up at a pump, the only pump out of all of the pumps that had a yellow bag on the pump. Like, he wasn't even supposed to pull up to that pump. It wasn't working. So when we, we went to leave and say, all right, man, see you, Mike, man. Hey, God bless. Da, da. He went to pump gas and noticed, like, oh, this pump, this pump ain't working. Like, so for God to pull up to that, for make him pull up at that pump, I see Jesus saves. We go through this whole, I, I'm, I'm full out crying. Like, like, I'm in my car going home telling my wife, I know where we're going. I don't care what for. I didn't, know, I didn't even know what, how much they were going to offer me. I'm just like, I know we're going to L.A. She's like, are you sure? I'm like, I tell her what happened. She's like, all right, we're, we're, we're going. I'm like, all right. Not going to lie, they offered me the least amount out of everybody. Wow. But, but I knew God was saying, just trust me. Like, it's not about the money. Trust me. And, man, when I went to L.A., I, I put on my heart that I was going to disciple as many men as I could in that locker room because I knew my calling was bigger once I had that testimony. Again, I asked God to slap me in the face. He sent me a man named L.A. driving a charger. And I, 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 Jesus saves was on the pamphlet. I'm talking about it, it just aligns so perfectly to like, like you said, George, like it, you can believe there isn't a God all you want out there. But there's no way I'm going to allow you to tell me and mine that there isn't. Because when you ask for him and you draw near, he will draw near to you and give you every sign you need. So. Amen. That, is a, that has been something that has been so influential on my walk. So NFL has taught me a lot being around, you know, amazing gentlemen who have taught me the way. But, man, having a story like that was where I knew, like, oh, no, 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 this is for real. Amen. Let's go. I love it. Man, I, I can echo it. God's in the details. I see him showing up all the time throughout my journey. And, and so we just we got to be in tune with him. And are we walking with him, following Jesus? That's what our ministry is all about, following Jesus, moment by moment, seeking him, following after his path. And so uh, cool to hear some of your, your stories and those moments uh, in your own life. All right, so we're, gonna, we're, we're running low on time. So we are going to wrap up here quickly. Let's, uh, let's give one final charge, something that, that is on your heart this morning that you want to share with a crowd of, of men here at Central Church this morning, uh, something that, that either God has, has been teaching you recently or, or something that uh, you just want to kind of get, get off your, your heart this, this morning. So we'll give each of you kind of one, one final word, and then I'll, I'll wrap it up. Um, you know, as guys, if you do have to get going, I understand. Um, and so, but hopefully you can stick around and, and, and hear the end of this. Um, and also, don't forget, we've got the, the drawing, so fill out those, those cards, the Get Involved cards on your tables, and then three guys will collect those afterward. But, uh, but Jericho, why don't you, you uh, kick us off here with one final charge? Well, I, I would just say, you know, for the men, um, just remember God is able. Um, you know, he is able to do all all things, you know, and, you know, the, what, what man you want to be, God is able to bring that about. What, 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 what God calls for you to be, you know, we have desires about, um, you know, what type of man we should be. Just make sure our desires are in line with the man that God calls for us to be. All right. And, um, and, and he is able to bring that about in your life. Um, far as marriage is concerned, uh, the, the, the great advice I was given is uh, to trust in the one who holds all things together. 
right? And that's Jesus Christ. And as long as your marriage is centered on him, uh, he will hold that thing together. There'll be moments where because there's sin, there's sin in you, there's sin in your spouse, uh, there will always be conflict, but the one who is able to save, the one who is able to save you from sin and save you from the power of sin uh, is able to bring about the fruitful marriage uh, that, that you need. And if you grew up without a dad, if you grew up without parents in a household and things of that nature, and you know that you're lacking in certain areas, God is able to bring that about too. So just trust in him in all things and, and uh, trust that his grace is sufficient. Uh, he will answer you because that is his will for you to be the man, the husband, the father. If he chooses to grant you uh, children uh, that, that he called for you to be, he'll bring that about. And so uh, that's just my call just to trust that he is, is, able, he is able. Uh, trust in Christ. Put him at the center of your marriage. And uh, the, the father that you seek out to be, uh, not not better than what what you didn't have or or anything like that. Just who God has called for you to be, He is able to bring that about. Amen. Thanks, Jericho. Thank yeah, um, I, I just want to challenge the men in here. You know, from personal experience, I want to challenge you guys to tithe. Um, you know, I know that's something as men we all think of ourselves as the provider. And, you know, I, I think that's a great opportunity for you to truly exercise your faith. You say you trust God and he is the giver of all things. You know, tithing is a, is a great way to truly prove that. And I could speak from personal example. When I was, you know, an unpaid defensive assistant, I used to make excuses with God like, oh, he understands. Bay Area is expensive. He knows we don't make a lot working in sports. And I used to, you know, like give less than 10%. And then, you know, it was actually my, uh, my in-laws that were a great example of like, hey, they tithe and they're retired now and they have more than enough to, you know, go on all these amazing trips and they are never in want. And, you know, I said, you know, once we got our new job in Indy, I was like, we're just going to give 10% and not even think twice about it. And ever since then, God has, you know, blessed us more than we could have ever imagined. Um, so I just want to challenge that to you guys and I'll end with this. Um, you know, in, in chapel once, uh, this guy had a great analogy about, you know, like when you're like this, and I felt like this is what I was doing with my money, when you're holding on to so tightly to what you have, you don't allow room for God to flow through you because you're, you're so tightly held to, you know, what you have and just clinging on to that. But when you let go in this posture, then God can easily flow through you and use you. And in doing so, you'll be blessed so much more than if you're just like this. So if that's one thing I could impart to you guys, let's all be like this um, in this posture. Wow. Strong. Strong. All right, Trey. That reminds me of like the parable when God gave the men money and, and well, I think it was God or Jesus, and, and the man buried it because he was like, oh, no, I, I want to keep it for you, Lord. God ended up saying, nah, let me get that money back. He didn't do what I needed with it. Um, for me, just being different than these two, uh, something that I've really found a joy in, um, being a young father, two- and four-year-old, is Proverbs 22, you know, training my children up in the way they should go, and even when they get older, they will not depart. And, you know, earlier this week, I'm at the mall. You know, it makes me teary-eyed, man, thinking about how I was raised, Fort Myers, Florida, to how I'm raising my children, and, you know, my son's eating his food, and he just busts out, like, there's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today, and then he goes, and we won't be quiet, <laughs> we'll shout out his praise, and um, I just think about how my kids, man, all they knew was education and God, my kid goes to school, he builds, literally yesterday, the picture was him building up this, this uh, block. And he does it, and he says, this is the house of the Lord. <laughs> and, man, God is so good, man, because when you give them your kids, you know that they're in good hands. And I never want to lose that factor of being a, a parent who is leading my children in the right way, 
who, when we get in the car, my kids are ready to ask for every Christian song they know is possible, whether it's Honey in the Rock, my daughter requesting, or my son requesting, Same God. Um, man, it, it just feels so good. And, man, I want to just keep on encouraging y'all to, man, keep leading these babies in the right direction, man. Because, again, when they get older, it, yeah, they'll have their ruffles and their feathers, but they'll find their way back. They'll always find their way back. And if you lead them the right way, They'll never depart in the first place. And I'm seeing that with my kids. You know, when there's other kids out there listening to secular music, which isn't their fault, that's what their parents and the people in front of them are putting in front of them. But if we can do this the right way, and we talk about our children and the kids are the future, the youth is the future, it's our responsibility to put in front of them what they need to be equipped in this life. And if you don't equip them with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, are you doing the justice that they need to survive out here in this world? So I would just keep on telling you guys, man, just keep equipping those babies, man, with the right, man. Jesus Christ is so good, man. Thank you for him. Uh, and thank you all for all y'all listening today, man. Amen. Let's give it up for the panel. It's awesome. All right. Hey. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. As we as we wrap up, I got a couple couple final final thoughts. I know we're, we're in overtime here. Uh, first off, we're just so grateful that they were willing to to come here, volunteer their time, sacrifice a Saturday morning, and then share their hearts. And and these are they're not perfect guys. I'm not a perfect guy. None of us in here are. But man, you can hear the heart for God. You can hear that they're they desire to 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 live for Him, to know Him. And, and so the encouragement as we leave today is to consider our own hearts. You know, is our heart after God? Are, are we pursuing Jesus every day? And, and has, our, has our life been transformed? Or, or are we just continuing to sort of just be like the rest of the world and, and, and we're just kind of just going about life focused on, on our, own, our own selfish desires? Or have we truly surrendered and said, God, take over? I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this my way. And, and uh, this week I wrote about Andy Reid, who's, who's the ultimate play caller, the ultimate play designer, right? He's got this, this great game script that will, will start off the Super Bowl. God's got a plan for each of us. He's the ultimate guy with the game script, so to speak. He's the ultimate play caller. He, he's designed each and every one of us for his purposes, for his glory, and he, he, he's designed good things for us. And, and so are we choosing to, 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 run, to run those plays, right? And, and, and to execute on what he's, he's calling us to do and what his word says. And, and I believe in the Bible. I believe that it's true. I, I believe that, that, that God speaks to us through his word. And he speaks to us at the gas station. And he speaks to us through our kids. And, and, and he's, he's alive and well. And he loves us. And, and he's speaking to each one of us this morning. And hopefully each of us has a, has a nugget to take away today. Something that, that, that has you know, pierced our heart to a, a little bit. That God's speaking specifically to, to us. And, and, and lastly, tomorrow night during the Super Bowl, one of those teams will find a way to win. They'll, they'll find a way to win. And, and the invitation for us today is we can find the way to win. It's through Jesus. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. He came so that we may have life abundantly, life now and for eternity. He invites us to know him now and forever, to be saved, to be forgiven of our sin, and to live life with him. He empowers us, he strengthens us, he leads us, he guides us, he shows us the path to go. It's the narrow road. Everybody else is going down the wide road. He's inviting us to the narrow road, but it, it leads to eternity and love and grace, and that's the path we're invited to. And so we've, we were on that path. We hope that you'll join us on that path. We need one another. We, we need to walk this journey together. And, and so we, we need to be transparent. We need to be authentic. We need to let, let guys in to say, hey, I'm struggling. I, I'm, I'm wondering what God's showing me. I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure things out. We, we need one another to say, hey, here's what God showed me in his word. Here, here's what God has done in my life previously. And so 
I hope you'll, you'll get plugged in with unpacking it. We, we've got opportunities for you to, to connect in fellowship in multiple ways. And whether it's through Central and, and getting plugged in with the men's ministry there, some other great men's ministries, the Barn, CBMC. Uh, we got some great things going on here in Charlotte. Let, let's not do life alone. Let, let's do it together. And let's walk this journey as, as sports fans who follow Jesus together. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed the conversation we had with Trey, George, and Jericho. And, uh, man, encourage you to, uh, to share this uh, with, with some other football fans in your life. And, and you can post on social media. And, and, as always, appreciate you rating, reviewing, and sharing uh, this podcast. And so we really appreciate your support. And this was a little bit different for you uh, than our normal podcast. But, but I know that, that you... Uh, you were inspired and encouraged by what these three men uh, shared with us. And, and so what an awesome event. Again, I'm thankful to be a part of it and thankful that we had the opportunity to record it and share it with you today. So we'd love to hear from you, Bryce at unpackingit.com. And if you're in Charlotte or the, the surrounding area, make plans for next year. You want to be here in person. And for those of you that listen around the world, it's an opportunity each year to, uh, to check out Super Saturday in podcast form. So have a great rest of your day. As always, I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast.